This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. The funerals are over. The victims are laid to rest and the news coverage has decreased about the recent shootings. I'm talking, of course, about El Paso and Dayton and now Philadelphia. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us here on American Viewpoints. And we're now in the stage of the story where what happened has basically become political talking points for activists on various sides. And no, I am not going to get into the gun control and the Second Amendment debate here. But I think we should challenge ourselves about something else, though. And that is sorting fact from fiction when it comes to the news coverage. And not just during a crisis and not just during a tragedy, but but afterwards and frankly before and any time when the spin doctors take over. I'm joined now by Dr. Amber Hinesley. She is a communications professor at St. Louis University. Amber, thanks so much for the time today. Sure, I'm happy to be here. A few weeks ago, the tragedies of not just Dayton, but El Paso, and since then we've had Philadelphia and we all want to blame somebody or something and we all want to explain it and that's natural and I don't think that's a bad thing. But the president said something interesting in his address to the country and he blamed the internet. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard the president blame the internet among among other things? It wasn't the only thing he blamed, to be fair. Right, yeah, also blame video games. And I think that's a very knee-jerk reaction that is human in a lot of ways, that we want to look at something that's easy and say that's the problem. When in reality, it's much more complex. If the problem was just the internet or just video games or just anything, that'd be easy to fix. And that's what we want to do after situations like this, after these types of, of crises. We want to fix it. And the reality is, is that it's not an easy fix. It's not. And it's incredibly complex. Absolutely. You know, we're bombarded with messages and the marketplace is changing to where I think personally, I think you may disagree that we tend to seek out sources of information that are going to reaffirm what we already think. Absolutely. And there's a ton of research that supports that, Um, especially as we have greater and greater political polarization that's happening on the Internet, as well as in our in the real world lives, so to speak. Um, Yeah, that happens. And it's just human nature to seek out information that confirms what we already believe. It's called confirmation bias. (laughs) And that's human nature. And so what's important for us to do is to realize that that exists and to be able to check our own biases so that when we are consuming information on the internet or really anywhere, that we can approach it with this idea of, I need to question this. And it's this idea of, is this accurate? Is this relevant? You know, there's lots of questions we can ask ourselves to make sure that we're not clouded by information that just reinforces what we already believe. Particularly in El Paso, they referenced a, I guess, a social media platform or messaging website. I had personally never heard of it. Apparently it's pretty hateful, I guess. But there's always a call, it seems. We've got to shut down sites like that. We've got to shut down those platforms. Is that the right approach to say, this is where you're exchanging this information. So if we take away that intersection, then you obviously can't do it. And we're doing something about the hate and the problems and the mindset. Right. Well, and obviously the the owner of that site you were talking about has actually voluntarily taken it down. Um, But that's a short-term fix. As you you pointed out, people, if they want to say hateful things, they'll find platforms for it. And it's not just online that that happens. Um, In a lot of cases, it's easier to do it online because you can be anonymous, because you can hide behind that wall of the internet. You know, but Hateful speech has been a problem since long before the internet existed. And so really what this is, 
is for us to look at ourselves and recognize that a lot of this is due to a lack of empathy that we have for others, that we want to talk at each other and not to and with each other. Uh, and so if we can kind of take a step back and approach it from that aspect and think about what's the problem with why people are wanting to say the things that they're saying. It's good we take issues personally, whether they're political issues or cultural issues or religious issues. I believe it's good that we take them personally and that we kind of take an ownership of them. Uh, but I had a conversation um, with an organization called Better Angels uh, earlier this year, and their entire reason for existing is to get people to talk to each other for exactly the reason that you just said. And they said, yeah, I guess the Internet makes it easy to hate each other or hate each other efficiently, maybe I should say. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we've just become more tribal as a society. Right. Well, and if you look at this from a communication standpoint, a lot of this can actually be traced back to the rise of 24-hour cable news programming, yeah. right? And so it used to be everybody had an appointment to sit down at 6 o'clock and watch the nightly news. Um, you only had three choices. And so, and it was, yeah. right, you know, and so it was much more of the subjective, straightforward reporting that was happening. Um, and, but then people realized we can make money off of the news. And so what you see happening today isn't news a lot of times, it's opinion. And we need to recognize that. And again, that's where it's so important to come in and check our own biases and realize that, hey, I may be drawn to a particular news outlet or a particular platform following you know, different programming or whatever on particular social media platforms. Um, but that's not necessarily healthy for you in terms of making you a better thinker. Let's talk about what to do about it from a personal level. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about boycotting this outlet or that outlet. Mm -hmm. We tend to want information right now. There is no more waiting till five o'clock or six o'clock or 10 o'clock for the news or the next morning for the newspaper, which right. I remember as a kid. But we want it right now and that inherently leads to bad information sometimes because news outlets don't have time to vet stuff and they're still putting out there in a race to be first. And in a race to be first, they're often the first to be wrong. And that, to me, causes more problems as well. Right. I'm a former journalist, and so I understand that. Same here. Yeah, right. you know, I understand that, that drive to be first. That's part of being in journalism. But there's a lot of organizations today that are having conversations with their journalists out in the field about you know, how can we be among the first, but also make sure that we're being right. And part of this, a lot of this is for all of us, it's verifying information online, mm -hmm. not just believing the first thing we see. Um, and recognizing that a lot of the information we're getting when we go onto Twitter and other sites looking for initial information about different types of crises and events is it's not accurate information. Anyone can go on to those platforms and say they saw anything. It doesn't mean they were actually there and saw anything. I, I'm amazed by some of the things that are reported. And uh, it drives me crazy when I hear, uh, you know, unverified reports say, well, why are you saying it then? Right. You know, we used to vet that stuff. We used to. Nobody cares who's first in the long run. They do care if you're wrong, though. Right. But that getting wrong, even if it's a response to the demand from the from the, the audience, which I think in part it is, so it is partially our fault, mm -hmm. uh, that that race to just be first, it really can lead to problems if we get bad information. Right, and you know, news organizations have realized this really hurts their credibility, and so they're trying to be a lot more thoughtful about this. Um, you know, And so for us as news consumers, one of the things I talk about with my students as well as my own children is what's commonly referred to as the CRAP test, and that's CRAP with two A's. Um, and this is, it helps us be better information consumers. And so with that, it's the C is for currency. And so is this information relevant? So we're starting to talk more about 
being better news consumers and information consumers. Uh, you know, relevance is this relevant to the topic that I'm wanting to find out more about? Um, who's the innocent, intended audience here? The first A is authority. Who's the author? Who's the source yeah. on this, right? Um, who, what are their affiliations? What is their motivation for putting this information out there? Accuracy, you know, is this verifiable? Is it factual? Is it biased? And then the last one is purpose. And so what's the purpose of this information to inform, to persuade, to entertain? You know, that's five very basic, easy approaches that we can all keep in mind as we're looking at information. There are some bad journalists and there are some bad media outlets out there. Absolutely bad. I think they have an agenda. I, I think they, they frame things in a dishonest way. And I've seen it on both the left and the right. But it comes down to... How do we keep everything in balance in the last few seconds? We've got here Dr. Amber Hinesley uh, from uh, St. Louis University. How do we, as consumers, make it so we are keeping the information balanced so that we're healthy? Forget the information and everything is supposed to do. How do we stay healthy? Well, so much of that boils down to recognizing that first we have a responsibility to ourselves and to others to approach that. And so I just talked about the, the crap test right. and approaching information that way. But just being skeptical, you know, put on your journalist hat and think about where is this coming from and is this information that I would trust? Would I put this in a research paper if I, you know, for example, um, is it worth repeating? Right. All right. So uh, people want to keep up with kind of the things that you're doing. What's the way to do it? Are you on Twitter, website, anything like that? I, I'm on all the social media. <laughs> Just look you up. Right. Amber Hinesley is the best way to find me. Dr. Hinesley, thank you so much for the time. Sure. Thank you. The big question when it comes to elections is back in the news. The Electoral College, keep it or dump it? We're going to talk about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. Hey, Dad, how do you throw a curveball? How do you build a fort? How do refrigerators run? How do fish learn how to swim? Kids ask a lot of questions. How high can you jump? But you don't have to know every answer. How many phone numbers are there? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. How do cell phones work? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. What's electricity? They just need you. What's the moon made of? For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at DoIHavePrediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to are you kids work listening to the radio you're busy which is great because busy people can't get pre-diabetes oh my i read that wrong <laughs> they can should have worn my glasses so visit do i have prediabetes.org and take a short test because pre-diabetes can be reversed brought to you by the ad council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners 